Hello ladies and gents, here with Adrianosaurus and I'm the coach of Adrianostoinus Rex for Supercoach BBL. Tonight we're going to do a podcast covering some team previews of the Renegades and the Thunder. They're going to be the last of our teams to cover and you know, you know a team like the Renegades probably seems like you know there's not a lot on offer you know and in a sense it's true you know for you know, the fact that they don't have double game rounds early, you know, and buys, um, you know, but they're still going to have some relevant players to talk about. And the Thunder, you know, inevitably when you get retirements, you know, from players like Cal Ferguson, you get players like Kawaja off to test teams, um, there's going to be some spots up for grabs. So they should be really interesting, um, you know, teams to cover. And I'm going to have a guest on the show to talk about, you know, those teams. And it's going to be the wonderful Ben from the Honeyball BBL. You know, I really look forward to chatting with Ben. Uh, he's a really good mind, you know, uh, just in general. But, you know, he he and, and his team from the Honeyball um, BBL, you know, they really provide a- outstanding content, you know, when it comes to BBL. And I know that they do AFL as well. Um, you know, I've been following them for quite some time. You know, they don't just post, you know, generic stuff. They've got prior winners, you know, writing articles for them and, you know, guys that have finished, you know, top of the pops regularly, you know, year after year after year, giving you insights that, you know, you don't normally get from other resources. And, um, you know, I, I think that if you're somebody who, you know, does okay, okay at BBL Supercoach, you know, you know, following someone like the Honeyball, um, BBL is a way to elevate your game, you know, and get to top thousands or top hundreds just because you've got those, you know, the winner's insight, you know, and a lot of in-depth look at players and form and, you know, even from you know, internationals and stuff. So um, look, the Honeyball BBL, look them up on all the socials. And I'm sure when we have a chat with Ben and we do these team previews, um, you know, he'll tell us how you can, um, you know, follow them, you know, on, on all their socials. But I really look forward to chatting with him and um, look, you know, we've got the, um, you know, the news of the moment, you know, the Ashes squad and the Australia A teams, um, the squads have been named. Now, you know, there's not a huge, you know, bunch of shocks, but, you know, there has been some spanners, you know, in the works for our teams, you know, some really good value sort of propositions for our teams to start the year. You know, we've had to put a line through, you know, we'll cover those sorts of things. Um, But look, you know, out of those teams, there's also some silver linings, you know, and we'll discuss those. And and then some of the silver linings are actually round one double game round relevant, which is is interesting. Um, You know, I'll do a little update on what those you know, the, the changes, uh, you know, in personnel um, are going to mean for my team personally. But let's um, just kick off, you know, with the Ashes team. The Ashes team, you know, there's not a whole bunch of surprises, I don't think. Um, you know, we all thought that Marcus Harris was, you know, going to go off there and head and, and Kawaja. Um, you know, Nisa, I know he's been injured, but he's in the squad. Um, you know, Swept's in there as the reserve, you know, sort of spinner was no surprise. You know, Jai Richardson, um, he's an absolutely outstanding bowler, you know, and I think he deserves, you know, the higher honours, you know, 100%. You know, I... I I don't know. Do you go without Stark and maybe give Rich Richardson a go? He's he's in some absolute ripping form. You know, it's a big loss to the BBL. You know, I don't know the actual. You know, I don't know the rules. I don't know what the you know Australian cricket you know setup does with players if they're not playing in the Ashes. But 
uh, from what I do think, I think they have to stay with the squad, you know, um, if they're not playing. So it'll be an interesting watch because somebody like Jai Richardson was an absolute premium, premium player last year. And he's somebody that we all would have wanted for our teams, you know, for round, you know, for double game round for the Scorchers. So, um, you know, that's a bit of a loss. But I think that mostly, you know, for the Ashes squad, you know, no huge surprises, you know, other than, you know, potentially the big loss that is, you know, Jai Richardson. Uh, now, the Australia A is where it gets a little bit, um, you know, hairy for us BBL players. Um, no, you know, you get some of you know, the ones that we expected in there. You know, Sean Abbott has been selected, so he's not going to be available for the double game round. And some shocks, you know, that we probably didn't expect. Mitch Marsh, you know, he could have been by the year, you know, what we thought. And, you know, he still might be by the year because he's going to come back to the BBL once the Australia A, you know, wraps up. But obviously it's a reward for, you know, World Cup form, the Big Bison. Um, and 130k, you know, genuine, genuine all-rounder that's going to bat high and bowl, you know, near every game you'd think, you know, especially with Jai Richardson out, you know, bowl some over. So he could have been everything, you know, to our starting teams. And, you know, he was a value pick at his 130k. So we've lost him, you know, and that's a bit of a, a blow. But look, we're going to all be going through that, you know, together because we would have all had Mitch Marsh in our teams. Um, Ashton Agar, you know, he's not really surprising. I don't know why it surprises me that he, he was in, but, you know, I we all had him, I had him in the team as a real value pick and, you know, obviously with the double game round, you know, in round four. So, you know, that's two very good value players and two scorchers that we've had to take out of our team. You know, a very popular cheapy in Renshaw. Um, you know, he, he's got the call up as well. Um, you know, it's it's a bit, there's a silver lighting in that, I, I believe, as well. But, you know, he was somebody that we, you know, was in a lot of teams, you know, with Adelaide Strikers coming up onto the double game round in round two. Look, I think that that raises the socks of, of somebody like Harry Nielsen, you know, because Renshaw, you know, Head and um, Alex Carey out on Australia A duties, um, missing, you know, that double game round, you, you know, Harry Nielsen's going to take the gloves, obviously, for Carey, and I think he might even open the batting, you know, so he just, he stocks of sword, you know, with the selection of Renshaw, but, you know, we, it makes it a little fiddly, you know, fiddly for teams, you know, losing some of those value picks, you know, he didn't lose a 200k player, you know, we lost a 130 bargain Mitch Marsh, and, you know, an, a bargain Ashton Agar, you know, and a bargain Renshaw so you know it's going to mean you know there's going to be some players of, of super coach out there that would have just done the old delete team you know and start again you know and in a sense you have to make some changes because in my case for instance I had all three of those players in my my team um, you know, there's also some injuries, you know, that we've got to contend with. We all probably, if you've been following, you know, the BBL circles, Joel Paris, we know has been injured and is touch and go for round one. Now, you know, he has an injury history, you know, and he might, you know, be hampered by that when he comes back. Will he make, if for round one, he's a popular cheapie, um, but, Will he make it back for round one? You know, is 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 it going to be worst case scenario? He's back for round two, and if he is, is he going to be managed when he comes back? I think you know, on the surface, to me, I always like to go in with the person who's guaranteed to play and who I don't think is going to be managed. Um, you know, and he, but he's such a bargain. 
but we're obviously going to need to get more information closer. You know, we're two couple of weeks away from the Big Bash starting to see how he's tracking for round one. If he does play round one, um, I think I'm probably lean towards, you know, having him because there's not a whole bunch of 60K, you know, bowlers, uh, you know, that are, you know, looking good. You know, Renshaw was one that you could pick as an all-rounder, you know. So I think uh, Joel Paris, if he plays, you know, I still think I'd, maybe for my team I would run with him. Uh, you just have to wait and see, you know. And, and if there's another cheapie that, you know, comes in, you know, if that Willens or whatever from the Heat or, you know, they just added another one in, you know, if there's another cheapie that comes in that is playing, they should be the one that you pick if Paris isn't going to play. So... We're obviously going to get more information. There could be more signings that come through as well. Um, we know that Aaron Finch, you know, in recent days has come forward that he has been managing that knee, you know, through the World Cup. And, well, look, he's not 100%, you know, guaranteed to be there for round one. And that'll be a blow. You know, you lose probably two popular cheapies, possibly, you know, in Paris and Finch if they don't make it for round one. And it makes it a bit trickier, you know, the managing of the old team. But... Um, you know, I think, you know, he's likely, you know, it sounded like that he's likely to get himself up for round one. One of the silver linings of, you know, the Australia and the Australia A namings was, you know, Ben McDermott and Matty Wade, you know, being back and available. But we do know now that Matty Wade, you know, is, you know, just carrying an injury as well. Um, and the way that he sounds is a bit more unlikely. So, you know, uh, he, he, he's a very you know, premium type player, I think, Matty Wade, and, you know, does his best work at the top of the order there with Darcy Short. Um, you know, so I think he would have been a popular player. <clears throat> but obviously, you know, you're going to have to leave him out if he's injured. Um, and, it, you know, I think there's, you know, yeah, there's there's definitely some, you know, silver linings. You know, someone like Olive, Oliver... Um, Ollie Davies, you know, he's firming, you know, you've got Kawaja off to that test team. So Ollie Davies could come in and, and bat at first drop, you know, for the Thunder, you know, and at 70k, I think that that's good value. Um, you know, Jilks, you know, might, might firm, you know, so we just have to sort of wait and see, you know, with the Renegades, if, um, you know, if you've got Sean Marsh injured, um, and, you know, God forbid Adam, Aaron Finch doesn't make it, you know, um, Jake Fraser McGurk might come in. You know, that's only a, a loose chance, but if that's the case, you know, he might present as a cheapie. So there's a bit a bit of moving parts, you know, and I think um, there probably seems now like there's less, you know, good cheapies available. I think for heading into your round ones, you know, you probably have to go up in price. Like Daniel Hughes is probably, you know, a, a solid pick, you know, batting at first drop, you know, 70K, you know, Lloyd Pope and Ben Minetti, maybe one of them jags a spot, but we don't know, 100% sure. Someone like Bartlett, you know, has probably, Xavier Bartlett for the Brisbane Heat has probably firmed, you know, in the 90Ks um, for, for your teams. And, um, you know, so has Kuhneman, you know, because Swepson's gone out of that team into, you know, the Australia, you know, setup. So then this is, you, we're just going to have to wait and see the news as it sort of comes in um, for teams and uh, adjust accordingly. Um, you know, the, the obvious things that we've had to change is the ones that we know in Renshaw, you know, <laughs> Mitch Marsh, um, you know, Ashton Agar. So, you know, I'm sure that we're probably going to see, you know, teams 
looking a little bit more different now because people are going to have to go different you know selections because i think most of us would have had all of them in our team you know one of the silver linings as well is players players like moises enriques and um jack wildermuth back for double game round and round one you know they're relevant players for those games you know and um, i'm sure they'll find their way into a lot of teams um you know which is really interesting you know i think that's going to make the the round one teams a little bit more different than they would have, would have already you know ordinarily been. So I think that makes for you know a better round one. The next you know obvious thing is how has that affected you know, Adriana Stoinis Rex, my team? What changes have I made you know to my lineup? Okay, let's go through them. Uh, business as usual. Josh Philippi missed those teams, which is good news for you know double game round you know <laughs> chasers of. Uh, Sydney Sixers players and Philippi is a fantastic choice for teams. Um, you know he's 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 100 go for it. Um, I've brought in Harry Nielsen. You know I was originally on Jilks. You know as my reserve keeper, but I think with Head Carey, you know, and now Renshaw out of that team, um, the stocks of Harry Nielsen are just irresistible. I think he should be almost a must-have. You know in teams. I brought him in. Um, you know he's going to have the gloves and he's every chance of opening the batting. You know so he's in. Um, Tom Curran, the same, you know, I've had him in my team from, from day one. He's still in there. Um, Chris Lynn, you know, I was listening to the playbook guys and I guess they were having a chat about, do you, you know, fade or, you know, antipod Chris Lynn in round one, you know, and take someone like a Sam's who's a single game player, you know, and just fade Lynn, you know, cause he can be, you know, rocks or diamonds. Um, look, I'm going to, not personally, I'm not going to do that. You know, I, I fear what Lynn can do more than what he you know, won't do. I fear him, you know, some Lin sanity happening and him going off and me missing out on that, you know, in my round one team. That can really put you behind the eight ball being a, a you know, a person who fades Lin, you know, if, if Lin sanity happens. So I'm going to play Lin, you know, and I think he's probably one of two premiums, I think, for the heat, you know, with Wilderman, maybe a smoky, you know, just borderline gun. But I think Lin is a gun. I think, you know, you're going to want him for your round one teams and I'm, I'm not going to fade him. I'm too scared to fade him because he's one of those X-Factor players. Look, um, you know, I'm Adrian Astoinis Rex, but with um, Mitch Marsh out, it, it sort of changed, you know, um, I lost a, a gun all-rounder. No, I knew that Mitch Marsh was going to be a gun all-rounder this year. Look, and I think that I wanted to go another strong all-rounder, you know, so um, Daniel Sams is in my team. You know, I didn't sit comfortably with me not having Sams, um, you know, I was originally choosing, you know, when I had Mitch Marsh on my team, I'd chosen Rashid Khan ahead of Daniel Sams. To me, Rashid Khan, just going on last year's figures, you know, he went, you know, 100 more regularly than Sams, and he didn't go as low as Sams. You know, Sams did, you know, multiple, or well, three of them in the 20s, and only one ton, you know, for Sams last year. So I just sort of evaluated, you know, Sams versus Rashid Khan, which to me, Rashid Khan won, you know, he had a better floor, and he has a better, you know, ceiling than Daniel Sams, you know, but um, when I sort of fiddled around, um, you know, I wanted an all-rounder for an all-rounder. So um, I brought in Sams, you know, so Sams is in my team now. Uh, Ollie Davies I've got in my team. I think he's a strong contender to be that first drop for the Thunder, but obviously we have to wait and see what happens with teams, but he's in there for now. 
Daniel Hughes, um, double game round player. I think he's one of the ones with, you know, most assured sort of position uh, at that sort of close to cheapy price. 78k, um, a tick above. So he's in my team. Uh, and in those two games, we'd just be hoping for, you know, better form than he showed last year. But, you know, I've, I've brought him in. Uh, Aaron Finch. Uh, we did say that there is that bit of an injury concern, but he's on my team at the moment. Um, you know, he, he had a bludger of an old end of the, um, you know, World Cup, Finch did, but, you know, there's no risk in having Finch. You have him on your bench as the bench loop, and if he, you know, has a rock and roll innings, you just loop him in, you know, and if he doesn't, you just leave him there, and, you know, no harm, no foul. I think at his price, it's just... You know, you got an opening bat who's 60K, go for it. You know, like, there's no risk for me. Um, and I think, you know, based on pedigree, he's got to be a chance of coming off, you know, at some stage. And I'm going to give you a loopable score. Um, Matty Jilks, I've got him on my bench as well. Um, I just think there's batting positions now. You take Kawaja out of that team and Kel Ferguson has re- retired. Um, you know, I think there might be a spot for Jilks. We'll have to wait and see. But him and Davies, are, you know, they're in there for the moment just because of strength of, you know, what of team and what I, what I think, you know, are the likely people to come in to, to those teams, you know, in those spots. Uh, in my bowlers, I've got Majib. You know, Majib is one of the premium options for round one, and I think he's a great captain option. Um, he's in my team. Rashid Khan, you know, until late changes, um, you know, I'd picked him ahead of Daniel Sams in the Sams versus Rashid uh, war, you know, for who goes into your round one team. I just feared Rashid more than I did Sams. Um just because, you know, Rashid goes higher, you know, more often, and he doesn't go as low. But, you know, as the way with Mitch Marsh out and having to field around my teams, I can have them both. And, you know, the team looks really nice with Sam's, you know, and Rashid Khan, you know, in the team. So um, the I've gone Rashid Khan in, in my team for round one. He's an absolute weapon. You know, averages just tick under 90 against the Renegades. Glenn Maxwell, he's in my team. Um, it was sort of a choice between Stoyness and him for the round one. And look, you know, there's no... We we know that Stoyne has, you know, still been getting over an injury. And, you know, I just, um, you know, fear Maxwell's X-Factor. You know, you look at his figures last year and see if you want to run without Maxwell for even a game. Um, Quaz Ahmed is not going to be there for the initial round, so... You know, I, I did have a light fear about Maxwell and how much will he bowl with two top-line spinners in the team, but I think he'll probably bowl, you know, because Quaz Ahmed is not going to be there to start the tournament, and, you know, he'll bat it, you know, four, probably, and he's he's one of those X-Factor players, you know. Hales, Lynn, you know, Maxwell. So I've got Lynn and Maxwell in there just mainly out of fear of X-Factor type you know, innings from them. Um, look, Maxwell's a little bit safer than Lynn. Lynn's not the best fielder, and they, you know, um, he's not going to bowl. So you're relying on his batting alone. You know, and he is rocks or diamonds. So you know, you every chance of walking under there with a zero or a single digit score. But you know, you can play the educated guess that over two games and when he'll come off at least once. But with Maxwell, you know, you you've got a fairly confident view that he'll bowl some overs um and you know he can go out and hit at a strike rate of 200 so look i will bring stoyness into my team you know to match my namesake for round 
two because obviously you've got to bring in stars, you know, ready for their double game round in round three. But look, I've you know to be able to have Rashid Khan, Glenn Maxwell, and Daniel Sams, you know, in my team, it looks and feels really you know nice. Um, Xavier Bartlett, you know, I think um, you know the the ones we expected, Steckity and that off to and then Swepson out of that team. I think the Bartlett is a very you know strong chance for that um, game. You know, in, in round one, I think, you know, he's got something about him. You know, I liked what I saw from him. He did probably get ruined by that X factor a, a few times last year. And, um, look, I don't think that's going to happen to him this year, hopefully. You know, at least not at the start while those players are out. So he's in my team, you know. But, um, you know, we'll obviously wait to hear news. But I think he's, you know, what from what we know, it seems like he's a pretty good shout, you know, for being in that team uh, for round one, you know, and bowling his four overs. Uh, ben Manetti is taking the other spot, you know, in my team. He, he's a double game round player. It's very speculative. You know, I don't know if Manetti's going to get the run. You know, if he does get the run in that round one team to partner Steve O'Keefe, you know, maybe as a second spinner. Um, look, I prefer, you know, I like um, Manetti. You know, I think he can jag a wicket or two. And, you know, it's 20 points for a wicket. So, you know, you you can go with these bowler cheapies, I think, are safer than, you know, a Dan Hughes-type batter, you know, so, because as soon as they jag a wicket, it's 20 points, but I've got Hughes, Bartlett, and Manetti, you know, in there, so technically, I can make that Manetti, you know, into Lloyd Pope, if they go Lloyd Pope over him, Uh, and also, you know, I can go Kuhneman, you know, from the heat, because his stocks have got to have risen, you know, with Swepson out of that team, so, um, you know, that would mean I'd have four Heat players, which is probably too many. Um, you know, so that's why I've gone with Manetti because, you know, I've got four um, sixes, you know, and I've got three Heat. You know, so that makes seven for the double game round, which I think is perfect. I think six is your minimum, seven is your perfect, and eight is okay, but getting high. I wouldn't go above eight, but, you know, six is a minimum. On the bench, um, you know, I've kept it as Joel Paris at this point in time. Um, if there's another 60k bowler, you know, option that is going to be definitely playing and Joel Paris is not going to play round one, um, you know, I'll probably go them. You know, if that Morris gets up for the scorches, you know, to bowl, which is a rough, rough chance, uh, you know, but if there's something else that presents in the 60k realm that's playing, if um, Paris is not playing, you know, I'll go with. You know, I'll go with them. But at the moment, it's Paris. He might make it for round one, you know, and he might make it for round two, you know, and and he could be managed. But, you know, is there anyone else better to pick? I don't know, you know, for right now. But we've got a couple of weeks to go. There could be more signings. Uh, And I've got Jay Ken, you know, on my bench as well. He's my non-playing reserve. Um, I don't think he's going to get a game. And look, you know, bottom price cheapy, who is an all-rounder. You know, you can pick between bat and bowl. And he's your loop, um, you know, NPR. So, you know, you've got your Finch on the bench who goes and absolutely whacks it and you want to bring him in, you know, you bring Jay Can into your team and you captain him. You know, that's the absolute diamond that Jay Can is. Bottom price, all-rounder, you know, that you can use for loop purposes, which makes him perfect. Um, look, you know, the, the players that I probably haven't got in my team, you know, that are the real ones, you know, where the alarm bells go. For me, it's Darcy Short. I think, you know, there's some genuine all-rounders this year. I think, you know... Daniel Sams, Tom Curran, you know, Mitch Marsh, um, you know, Glenn Maxwell 
are probably some of your better ones. And I think Darcy Short's in there. But, you know, I'll be planning on bringing him in, you know, early um, into my team. Hopefully, you know, in the first couple of rounds. Uh, and obviously the other one is the big Stoin. You know, he's a BBL specialist. And I'm not going to go with him because I've got enough funds to be able to go with Sam's instead, you know, and a Maxwell. I've got the Maxwell and Sam's money. Um, and, you know, they are both going to probably bowl and bat. You know, both of them. Whereas the Stoin is not a guarantee of bowling. He does have that openness spot, you know, which is a, you know, that's a that's a draw card, you know. But I'm just going to give him the, the watch on, you know, round one. I think he could be a 60-70 type scorer. And, you know, yeah, he, he might come off, you know. But he's going to be my one that I watch through round, um, you know, round one. You know, you'll hear me talking, you know, with the magnificent... Um, Ben from Honeyball after this and I'll be saying I'm going to watch you know Sam's and I'm going to run with Stoinis and I'm going to run with you know Rashid Khan but I've recorded this bit after I spoke to him so I've found a way to have Sam's in there and Rashid and it's by going without Stoinis so um, you know I'm going to watch him in short for the you know first round and try to get him into my team as soon as I can but anyway Big changes, you know, to probably a lot of teams, but I think it's a really good thing. I think it's going to make round one more exciting because people are going to go with Jack Wilderman. They're going to go with Moises Enriques. You know, they're going to, some might have gone with Dan Christian, you know, um, some might have gone with Dwarshus. You know, there's lots of players that are, you know, going to now that are probably good choices for round one. So it's going to make for an interesting, you know, round one, I think. Okay, well, next we're going to be chatting with Ben from the Honeyball BBL. All right, and we are back with the wonderful Ben from the Honeyball BBL. Welcome to the Adrianosaurus podcast. Ben, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. Uh, going well. Um, I was just telling you off there, I've just finished the Honeyball magazine, so it's been a busy couple of weeks getting that ready. Yeah. Um, big, ba- big bash is two weeks away, basically. So um, an exciting time for uh, those who like their uh, short-form cricket. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's all happening too. You know, we've got the, the the time clocks, you know, counting down to the start of the Big Bash. And, you know, when you get these Ashes and Australia A-Day squads, everyone goes into panic mode and, you know, you're trying to release a magazine at the same time. But uh, I, I don't envy you, you know, because all I had to do is just delete team and start again, like a lot of people would have done. Um, yeah. But, you know, we'll cover all of those things as we sort of chat. But it's a great pr- privilege, you know, to have you on the show and, um, you know, I, I love the content that Honeyball does. Honeyball do you do the uh, AFL and the BBL super coach wise? Yeah, the AFL and BBL um, obviously works well with the two different seasons uh, not clashing. But yeah, the, the, the concept of the website really is to, um, I'm a journalist by trade, so is to use my journalistic skills to provide little snippets of info, which is relevant from a super coach perspective, which you know, often value players don't get covered in the mainstream media. So it's, it's different to what you would find elsewhere. But also tap into experts, people who have actually won Supercoach and actually get their insights and interview them. So rather than me as a as a novice player trying to provide advice, actually getting people who know what they're talking about to espouse a bit of wisdom. Yeah, I, I mean that's one of the things I love about the team that you have in there and the guys that write up the articles. You know, they're serious players. You know, and I, I I'm a big believer. You know, luckily, obviously, because I do a podcast, I. You know, I play NRL super coach and I know, I know previous winners and I chat with previous winners and they've got a yeah. mentality for the flow of how the game works, you know, and even mm. not just about good players, it's, it's people who have, you know, good 
super coach output or if they're a good value and you know ones that are not going to you know get, get you get you anywhere in the game and you can't beat an expert you know people who do well in super coach every year and get, get high finishes so um, that's one thing yeah. you guys do extremely well uh, and it's actually really you know a perfect time to have you on the show because you are you're, you're going live with a resource to help out the, the punters out there who want to succeed at the BBL Supercoach. Tell me about it. Yeah, so we've got a digital magazine going live today, um, a few weeks in the making, but essentially we've interviewed a whole bunch of uh, experts. Got last year's winner, Chris Baker. Got the year before's winner, Tom Aitken. Um, getting their insights and, and top tips, but also... Um, I've profiled every single player in the big bash. So you get a bit of info on who, who's who and uh, whether they're value, whether they're durable, whether they're informal, whatever. Um, there's actually heaps in there. There's also like a form guide of every single global T20 league this year, as well as the World Cup, with all the numbers crunched into Supercoach BBL points. So if you want a bit of insight, a bit of extra info, that's the, that's the go. Um, there's more stuff in there. I didn't even rattle off just then, but... Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time talking. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I listened to a podcast with Chris who had won it last year. I think the Daily Telegraph guys yeah. did, and I really enjoyed it. I think he was, you know, just talking about strategy a lot and how to play the games, how he paced himself. And I subscribe yeah. to the Playbook guys as well, and they have Tom Aiken on, and he's a great mind for it as well. I think he's a really, um, you know, good thinker. You know, he doesn't think in the, you know, your, your cookie cutter kind of way of playing and um so i think they're two great people it sounds like a you know a really good team you've got in there you know working on the on the mag well where can people find it you know are you gonna yeah well if you if you follow honeyball i'll be promoting it for the next couple of weeks so you won't miss it but jump on the website honeyball.com.au uh you'll see the, the magazine cover there and just click on that and grab a copy um like i said it's a really good resource um great way to kind of form your team in the lead up to round one Yep, beautiful. All right, well, I'm going to jump on and I'm going to get myself a copy, 100%. You you, you keep an eye out. I'll, I'll definitely jump <laughs> on and buy it, you know. But, um, well, I mean, let's dive into it. We're going to um, talk about some teams. I'm going to cover the Renegades and the Thunder. You know, the the poor old Gades, you know, stunk it up last year, didn't they? But, um, you know, I said in the top of the show, I've pre-recorded a little bit. They've still got some players that are going to be relevant, I think, for this year's BBL um, and Thunder, you know, when you get somebody, you know, like Cal Ferguson batting high order and you've got Kawaja going off to tests, that makes them, you know, a really interesting team for super coach purposes as well. So they should be really good teams to preview. Um, and, you know, I'll ask you some general sort of questions about players that, you know, maybe it's me that's interested, but, you know, just quandaries that a lot of, um, you know, super coaches ask me about, you know players for yep. maybe round one or which cheapies are good and you know we'll just you know go with the flow sounds good all right well i like to look at it from a you know a real basic sense in you know guns smokies and duds you know and from each team and you know i guess cheapies probably don't even fall into that category because there could be some that don't even really make it to smoky category but they're a good cheapie so well i think we will start with the renegades hey and um you can you can take it away. Do the Renegades have guns? Yeah, good question. I've, um, I've been doing this uh, research on the Renegades the last few days, and I kind of came across that conundrum because I'm not sure they really do. I think there's probably, there's probably one or two who would fall in the premium category, and that would be Kane Richardson, who probably isn't as good as he used to be. 
and the other one is Muhammad Nabi, who mm. can be a bit unpredictable. Um, but they're, they're not one of the standout sides. And given they don't have an early double, I think their double's around uh, 11, they're probably not a side you really are, are going to be thinking too much about just yet. Um, and then the traditional primos like Sean Marsh, um, Aaron Fincher, are far from that these days. Sean Marsh is out till Christmas of injury and uh, Finch had a shocker last year and, and also has a bit of an injury cloud, which has popped up in the news this week. So, um, yeah, the two primos really are Kane Richardson and, and Nubby, who, you know, they're not the elite primos that um, other clubs have. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. I think, you know, Nubby, you know, he, you can, he's kind of one of those ones that sometimes you get what you want, you know, those sparkling scores out of him. And then other times mm. his involvement is like way down, you know, just depending on the game. So, you know, you, you those are the ones where your tears come on. But what do you think of James Patterson? Proper Pattinson, you know, obviously he's um, hung up the boots there from, you know, other forms. And, um, mm. you know, so he, he'll be available for the whole tournament. You know, do you think Smokey-wise, you know, he's a good option for teams or...? Yeah, he he's obviously he hasn't played much big bash over the course of the last few years because of test commitments and whatnot. So there's a bit of a uncertainty about him. Um, but he, he, I think he played two years ago for the Heat and and had a really good run of form, took a bunch of wickets in a few games, which which bodes well. But I I think there is a bit of a durability flag on Pattinson. Obviously he's retired from Test cricket because his body couldn't couldn't really stand up with the rigors. Um, so he's the kind of player who I reckon they might rotate a bit through their lineup and they have a few good bowling options as well. So from a super coach perspective, he's not the type of guy I reckon I'd be going for because he's going to come in and out and he's at a starting price of 150. Yeah. So, so he's one I'll probably steer clear of initially, but definitely not one I'd rule out throughout the course of the year. And, you know, when it is their double, he might be someone you look at to, to get some, um, to capitalise yeah, and I, I'll probably have to admit that one of my guilty pleasures is a bit of a tickle on Sam Harper as a smoky. I just like the cut of his jib. You know, he's yeah. short and he's just a little, you know, wild animal out there. He, you know, and he's kind of got a bit of X factor about him. Where do you, do you, do you see him, you know, batting? Is he, is he going to bat high? I mean, I think they're going to probably open, you know, I know that uh, there's doubts over Adam Aaron Finch now with his, injury whether he's going to be there at the start sam harper yeah. if he opens you know is that a tempting prospect that a tick over a you know 100k yeah i think so for the start of the season there is a bit of a dilemma with the wicket keeping position because there's a bunch who will be unavailable inglis um uh carry as well so those guys are probably you were looking at to to play your keeper role um so he comes into the conversation i think philip is still the standout option really given the round one double. But um, like you said, he might open. You know, Sean Marsh is going to miss. Aaron Finch might miss. So there's a void there. Um, and there's he's done reasonably well in that role before. He's pretty consistent, like a reliable player for, you know, a 30 or 40. So he, he'd be on your radar. It's not the worst idea. Yeah, all right. And, um, you know, any any players that you're seeing out there in in teams, I mean, it's kind of hard with the Renegades, I guess, because there's no double game round, you know, in the, in the start of the tournament. So apart from Aaron Finch, you know, most people are not owning near any of them, really. Someone, yeah. I guess, that I've seen in a few teams is Jake Fraser-McGurk. You know, obviously he is at a, a pretty low price in the 65. 
And there's, you know, rumours out there that he could be, you know, elevated up to an opener. And especially with Marsh and doubts over Finch now, do you think that that's a, a possibility? Yeah, definitely a possibility. Um, obviously, we need to get more info from the Gates camp in the lead up to round one. But he has that capability as a top order bat, and there's clearly a hole that they need to fill. Um, he did come into the side a bit last year. He did okay, but he didn't quite have the strike rate, which would attract me for a, for a super coach player. He's obviously got potential, though, so he might improve. Um, but they do have a few top-order options who might take that role ahead of him. The new Indian import, Chand, is an option as well. Mm. So he's he's someone who I definitely at his price, 65K, that's, that's tempting. You want to have him on your radar. But I've just got some worries that he won't get that top-order spot. And even if he does... Once the once Finch comes back and Madison, I think he will slip down the order, and I just don't think it's a good super coach role down at four or five or six. Yeah, I think that's a good one to know. You know, he might, uh, it might be sort of a mirage. He might get a little bit to, for the first couple of games in as much of a role. Maybe he does open for the first two games, but you know, the news of Nick Madison taking over as captain probably, you know, he that even puts his role in the team under threat because I, I probably didn't have Madison a guarantee of even being in the team, really, you know, but he's a captain now. So, you know, he's probably going to come in and, you know, who knows where he's going to be. So he's just a player that you're going to have to put into the team and then that's going to pull someone out, you know. So I don't think the role looks as secure for him, um, you know, as, as it might have seemed maybe a little bit before the, the Madison. Yeah. That's right. And obviously, Mattinson's out with Australia A early. So there's a few batsmen who will miss early. So so I think the flag on him is the early opportunity. But um, you may end up having him for the first few rounds and he does okay, but he's probably going to peter out after that. So, yep. yeah, if you, know, you might want a quick price rise. I'm not sure you're going to get it and then you might be stuck with him. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Let me go through some that I, um, you know, I, I, I'm probably not, not keen on. Um, I'm not keen on Josh Laylor. I don't think many people are going to have him in their team. But, um, you know, I've had some people ask me about Reese Topley and I, I just get really mm. weird vibes that he's not going to be much as well. I mean, I know his price is what, he, he 125K, but, you know, I'm, yep. always, I'm always a little bit sceptical about Englishmen, you know, who've never sort of had much BBL. So mm. he's probably someone I would not be going with either. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the um, being sceptical of the English players, definitely. I think the bowlers, you're a bit less of a risk. Um, the batsmen tend to take a bit more time to adjust to Australian wickets. So he, he might be okay, but there is a flag on him. He's got a bad injury history. Mm. And he's also, he's also on a list in the T10 league in Abu Dhabi. Now, I'm not sure if he's actually going to um, be part of that side, but he may arrive late. So that's that's one thing to um, to note as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's sort of them in, an, in a nutshell. I think they're probably limited on guns. They do have some that, you know, you could probably consider a smoky, you know, if you're talking, you know, Richardson, or if you're talking Pattinson and, you know, Harper and such. Um, yeah, Cameron Boyce, so he was good at one point in, in his career, you know, and... Um, yeah, I think I've taken a I've, and Zay Zay Khan as well. You know, their price is probably doable for some people if they've, you know, yep. they're trying to bring three people in and they've only got a hundred sort of k left, I guess. Um, but there's not much really happening, you know, for me. Yeah, <laughs> I can see. No, I agree with you. Yeah, and, and that the lack of the lack of early double really takes away from the attraction. 
Zahir is a reasonable flag. He's 95k. Um, so he's a he could be on your radar, um, particularly at Etihad. Um, and I tend to think they'll only play one of the two specialist spinners, Zahir mm. or Boyce, because they've got yep. Nabi who can provide that second spin option. Um, so they may end up rotating a bit as well. So that takes away a bit of the attraction. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, and what do you think the chances that Finch are gonna is gonna be there? I know he's a hugely popular um, cheapy. What do you, what do what are we hearing? He's he sounds like he's not a hundred percent, you know, for round one. Yeah. No, I, I tuned into the press conferences today, and um, yeah, clearly carrying something like he was carrying it through the World Cup, and he had that knee niggle in the lead up, which was well publicised. So what have we got? Two weeks, I think, until the first game. I think they're playing the third game. I, I can't remember exactly the date. So he's got a bit of time to get right. I tend to think he will be there. Um, just judging by the way he was speaking today, I think he'll he'll be okay. Um, and I, I kind of hope he is because I want him in my team. I think he's great. He's just a great pickup at 62K. You kind of yeah. need to have him. Yeah, I mean, I've heard some people sort of saying, mate, he's, he's you know, and, and even I have said, you know, he seems to be more rocks than diamonds these days from Finch, you know, and he didn't sort of end that World Cup in any sort of glowing form. But, you know, you're bound to a, a premium of the past like Finch, even if you've just got him on your bench there for a loop, you know, you know to loop into your yeah. team if he comes off, you know that someone who was a prior champion like him is going to have a good innings. It's, you know, probably yeah. even if he's, his hit rate is is down, he will have games where he goes off and you can just loop him in off your bench. And, you know, an, out, an outlay cost of in the 60s is just no risk. So if he's fit, yeah. you know, you'd expect that he's going to be in a lot of teams. Yeah, totally. And, and like you say, there's no risk. He should, he should go up in price at the very least, even if he's not scoring at um, the level you want in your starting side. So uh, I think he's a no-brainer. The real question is, do you start him or do you bench him? Yeah, well, that's right. I mean... You know, there's those with with his like I said, he's a bit rocks more than diamonds. You know, if I if everything lands right for me, I think he he might be my bench reserve. You know, and yeah. I get a look at him. You know, third game. Um, you know, maybe if he was later than that third game, you'd you'd have to make a decision whether you're going to play him or not. But um, yeah, I guess first bridge is just we'll 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 know if he's going to be named, and he should be in yeah. everyone's team. It's just whether you have the the nads to start him. You know, in your starting mm-hmm. team. All right. Well, I think that that's them. You know, I think it's it could be a spoon again for the Renegades. Unfortunately, sorry for you Renegades fans out there, but you know, it's just um, you know, I just there's not enough X factor in there for me. You know, for them, and um, I just don't see much much for them. Unfortunately, this year. <laughs> but you know, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll surprise us. Yeah, the thing about the Renegades is they've never really nailed their imports. So, um, like the imports last year were super disappointing. Riley Russo wasn't wasn't great. I think Nubby had a super um, inconsistent season, and they got Noor, who was a teenager from Afghanistan. So this year they've got a few new ones. So there's some reason for hope for them, um, and their top order is pretty stacked. Like if Marsh is fit, if Finch is fit and firing, it's a pretty good side. But they just never seem to put it all together. So I'm with you. I think they'll struggle. Um, and, and, like, they lack depth. Like, they've got so many young, promising players. But those guys don't seem to um, don't seem to deliver in the big bash, which kind of is a older player's game. 
um, as mm. weird as that sounds. Mm. I think experience is really important in Big Bash. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think they'll be struggling a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on over to the Thunder. I think, um, you know, they're probably a, a, a different contrast. You know, they've got some guns, I think, and they've got some really sort of relevant players, I think, for Supercoach. So if you want to kick it off, tell me some guns from the Thunder. Guns from the Thunder. Um, yeah, well, the obvious one at the top of the list is going to be Alex Hales. Uh, he was really good last year. Mm. Some big scores. So he's got a really high ceiling. Um, there is obviously the risk with Hales. He's a bat only. He doesn't bowl. So if he, you know, if he gets a duck or a low score, you, you, you bomb out. Um, and he is a really high starting price. So actually, to be honest, he's probably one of those one of the first players I'd look to fade. I wouldn't be getting him from the start. Just given mm. that starting price, I think it's too high, uh, too high a price to pay when there's better options yep. elsewhere, um, given they haven't got a double until round 10 as well. But he he's a really, he's got to be on your radar. He's a quality player with a high ceiling. So he's definitely a gun. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a list, you know, when I start each year about gun, you know, gun guns that I want in my team. And look, I put Alec Howes on the list because, you know, there's players like Maxwell, like Lynn, like Hales, who absolutely terrify you to not have, you know, and it's simply because when they're on, they can go 150 really easily, you know, and people sort of talk to me about, oh, Stoinis versus Maxwell. And, you know, like Stoinis will end up averaging the same as Maxwell, most likely, but Maxwell, he's either in single digits or he's 150. And he did that on many, many occasions last year. And, you know, Hales is one of those people that if you get on him at the right time when he goes on one of these runs, he can shoot you up the ladder in super coach. So I agree with you. I don't think, I think he's a get, an out and out gun. I think at the price of 183, you can hope that he maybe has a quiet start to the tournament and you can mm. get him at a good price um, to bring in, you know, for that, the, the stuff that scares other people, you know, who, who don't own him. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously there's one who should be on everybody's, you know, hit list for premiums in Daniel Sams. Tell me a little bit about Daniel Sams. Yeah. Well, actually on the front page of the Honeyball magazine. So we, we love him, uh, but he, he is at a high price, 203K. And without that, double until later in the season he's a bit of a dilemma for super coaches because um obviously you're, you're paying a premium for someone who doesn't have that double um but he, he i think he was up there amongst the top couple of averages in super coach last year yeah. and has that mass massive ceiling so it's a super big risk to fade him in round one yep um but you know he has he has got a, he's got a great role he, his batting improved so much last year so he's coming in at six for the thunder um and he's he's making runs in those late overs, which is um, which is a great role. But also he's he's kind of guaranteed to bowl four overs every game, including the death overs. So there's actually not many better super coach friendly roles yep. uh, going around in the league. So I think he's he's um, he's hard to ignore for round one, despite their double being so late in the season. There is another school of thought that you you use one of your um, so the Brisbane Heat have got the round one double. Yep. Use one of their players in round two when they've got the buy to trade to Sam's. But even that scares me, just missing out on Sam's in round one. Yep. So that's the big dilemma, I think. Do you start or do you wait a round or two? Yeah, well, I agree. I think you definitely want him. You know, there's a few who are absolutely genuine all-rounders in the game. You know, you've got 
I, I put Darcy Short up there. A couple of overs, most yeah. likely opening the batting is just absolutely premium. And Daniel Sams, who's guaranteed to get four, and you, you you can make a fair assessment that he'll bat most games, and the batting has improved. So, you know, mm. he he's a absolute premium because of those um, double roles. Look, I'll tell you what, I'm I was sort of weighing up in round one. Who do I play in round one out of Daniel Sams or Rashid Khan? You know, I know that Rashid Khan's got the double in game two, but my plan was probably a, a Majib to Rashid Khan for round two and, and start with Sams. I'll give you some stats on Sams versus Rashid Khan. You know, Daniel Sams went 100 on one occasion last year. Rashid Khan went 100 three times. Daniel Sams went 20s three times last year. Rashid's lowest score last year was 45. Rashid Khan averages 89.5 against the Renegades. So based on all of those things, I'm running Rashid Khan in round one and I'm bringing Daniel Sams in in round two. I think that Rashid Khan has a better floor than, than Daniel Sams and he goes, he's got a higher ceiling. He goes 100 more often. So whilst I think that Daniel Sams is an absolute premium gun that everyone should target in their team, because he's at that over 200k price, you know, you can very feasibly see that if he goes into that first game, he'll probably get his average around 60, but he doesn't go over 100 often as much as someone like Rashid Khan. So he's not going to get out of your price. You, know, you can go Majib to, to Sam's probably and get game two, you know, without having to use funds from another player. You know, Majib will probably be worth the same as Sam's, you know, for round two. It is a fearful watch. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, people who don't go with Maxi, I'm sure they fear not fear, fear Maxi in round one, you know, and you're going to fear not having Sam's in round one, but I'm sure you'd fear Rashid if you didn't have him in round one as well, you know. So I think everybody's got to make choices on which premiums to run with. And, you know, I guess probably one of the things that detracts from Rashid is playing at, um, you know, Marvel Stadium. It's not the best wicket, you know, for spinners, but I can see him, you know, particularly Rashid, he's 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 got a tasty appetite for those renegades. So, um, yeah, yeah. But um, I think that those those Hales and Sams are the people that you probably target from. You know, the Thunder. Anybody else in there that sort of interests you? You know, in a gun sense for them. In a gun sense, well, there's not anyone list that, now. Yeah, you might have been cutting on your radar simply because there's scope that he made that up the order with Kawaja out of the side. There's a yeah. school of thought they might elevate him. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm actually not subscribing to that theory, but if he does, he's got to be on your radar because he is he's an all-rounder. He doesn't typically bowl these four overs, but he he, you know, if he's opening and bowling two or three, that's a pretty good role. Um, but that's a big watch. It depends what they actually do. Yeah, I mean, I think if he if he went to opener, you know, he's worth a risk. I think his bowling is probably, you know, a little weaker than, you know, you yeah. th- it, it seems like he is. He he does go yeah. get the tap a bit, you know, from from batters. Um, but if he was if he got elevated to opener and you just an opener who you know is going to bowl a couple of overs, you know, that's you know tick tick tick. You know, you can't argue yeah. with that. So um, he's going to get strike rate bonus every time if he's opening the batting. Yeah. And look, you know, the price is really nice. I think for him, I think that's under is 132K. Um, Smokies uh, for the Thunder. Um, look, I, I probably wouldn't put too many in Smokies. You know, I think um, it's more about the cheapies, you know, with them. 
Uh, mm. One of the players who I probably have a chance at opening a, instead of cutting is Matthew Jilks. You know, that's how, is yeah. he, how do you pronounce him? I always wonder. Is it Jilks or Gilks? Do you know? I actually don't know. No, I'm <laughs> not sure. <laughs> All right. Well, Jilks, he's got to be, I think, at 60K. Um, you know, he's, yeah. he's uh, one way or another, I think his role is, is improved with Kawaja being off in the test team. So I think he's going to be in their best 11. And, um, you know, he's got to be a chance to, to go, you know, opener, you know, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's been opening for New South Wales in the Marsh Cup, uh, or maybe the Sheffield Shield, I'm not sure which one it was, but definitely has opened a few times at state level this season. So, you know, he's, he's familiar with the role. Um, interestingly, last season he didn't play and they preferred Baxter Holt to mm. him, which surprised me a little bit. So I'm not sure where he sits in the hierarchy there, but the fact he's been playing for New South Wales suggests that he, he's probably the, the guy who's going to take the role from Kawaja. Um, if he does at 62K, it's pretty good value. I do think Billings will keep, so he won't get those extra points you get from a keeper for, you know, catches and stumpings. But, um, you know, an opening batsman, 62K, I think you could do a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, it's in the same mould as sort of Finch, you know, their they're players. <laughs> and, and even looking at, um, you know, looking at, Old mate, there he he goes at a clip. Jokes. He 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 doesn't hang around. You know he he goes at a pretty good rate. So and and yeah. when Finch is up and going too, he goes at a good rate. So you know for sixty yeah. k, you know if they're both going to play in round one and they're in the openers position, I'll, I think I'll have him in in my team for sure. Another name that yeah. I think um, I'd like to mention for cheapies is Ollie Davies. You know I I liked the cut of his jib too. I liked it. He had a, had a bit of swag at times last year, you know, in the BBL. And is he going to go and take that, you know, first drop? Is he going to bat at three in that team? Yeah, he looks the heir apparent to take Callum Ferguson's vacant role, um, which is a perfect role for a 74K batsman. Um, Now, interesting with him, like he started like a house on fire when he came to the side last year, two really good scores, and then just dropped off completely. It felt like opposition sides figured out how to bowl to him and he didn't, he didn't work that out. Now maybe, you know, 12 months on, he's, he's come up with a bit of um, a better method. So that's, that's a bit of a wait and see. And also he hasn't, I don't think New South Wales have played any Marsh Cup games for him to actually test himself mm-hmm. at the highest level. So I'm not too sure if that's been resolved or not, but he's a really talented player, highly regarded. I'd probably back him in to, to come good. Um, and yeah, that role is like such a good role for a, for a kid with such talent at such a price. So he yep. should be in most sides, I think. Yeah, I've got him in my team, and you know, I think you know, in a way, it seems to me like he's probably a better chance of batting at three than you know. I feel more confident about that than I do about Jilks opening. You know, so it'll be mm. just one of those things we have to watch and wait. You know, for closer to the big bash, and you know, see if if, yeah. if it all lands the way we think it will. Um, yeah, I don't really think they have a heap of smokies. I don't mind Brendan Doggett at times. He's at a, a probably a higher price than I expected he would be at, and he's a pretty talented bowler, I think, at times. Um, I don't mind, um, you know, who, who is it? I don't mind Tremaine, you know, and he's a, at a reasonable price. Um, you know, yep. he usually opens the bowling. Um, yeah, he's an interesting day. one. Just just on the bowling stock. Sorry to interrupt you there, mate. Okay, good. Go. Um, so, so Doggett, I think Doggett will miss a few games early in the season. He's currently got a side strain. Um, he suffered it 
playing for South Australia in the Shield. And the English fast bowler, Mahmood, will also miss the first few games with the English Lions. So I think Tremaine's probably the one who will come into that side early in the season, um, who you just flagged. 86K bowler. Actually just got a recall from New South Wales this week. So um, he might be... I'm probably not going to endorse him as a, as a great option, but someone to have on your radar because he's pretty cheap and should bowl four overs early in the season each game. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that there's some... You know, good options. I mean, the hard thing with these two teams that we're previewing today, you know, that's why I've done them last. I went in order of the ones where they're relevant. You know, I started with, you know, the Heat and the, and the Sixers, you know, because the double game rounds are in, in one and yeah. you know, the strikers. And I think, you know, in that team, the only irresistible one that is scary for start season, I think is probably Sam's, you know, followed by Hales. <laughs> I think they're people that you want to get into your team, you know, right away and I think everyone's going to be in the boat of you know fearfully watching either a Sams or a Rashid Khan or a Maxwell you know kind of in round one and it's just who you make the choice of you know my plans is not to go any more than round one without Sams and you know it's just in the game of you know I just gave spat some figures on Rashid Khan and how much of a weapon he is but the reality is is that you know, if he just goes, gets the tonk, you know, and doesn't take any wickets, at least Sam's has got the two skills. He might go and bludgeon some runs, even if, even if he bowls badly. You know, and the game of BBL Supercoach is really owned by, you know, all-rounders. So, you know, Sam's Sam's is a premium. You know, he's 100% I'll, I'll, premium. I'll jump in on Sam's as well. I've got a stat in the magazine, which I crunched the numbers on. In the first two rounds of the past three seasons... Sam's has averaged 123 super mm. coach BBL points. So he, he tends to start pretty well. And mm. he doesn't play state cricket. So I guess he's, his thing is the big bash. So he waits around for months to play and then can't wait to play round one. So that might actually be a thing. He might start the season well again. So that kind of fuels the fear of fading him. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a lot to think about for me. But I mean, are you, are you going to be starting Rashid Khan and Maxwell? I haven't made a call. I, <laughs> I, I reckon I reckon it's too hard to not start with Rashid given they've got the Gades whose batting lineup is decimated in round one before a round two double. I'm just trying to find a way to fit Sam's and Rashid in. I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, recently when we found out that Mitch Marsh, you know, was off for the Australia A, and I think everybody yep. – you know, we're all suffering together, you know, because he was probably the yeah. chance of being the buy of the year just with the, the, the premium all around, batting extremely high and batting well, you know, at the moment. And he always bowls yeah. too. He's, he's, you know, even was preferred for a straighter bowl. So, you know, he was a great option for, for teams to start with. But, you know, from, in my case, I went up to Maxwell, you know, so I found 60-odd K, you know, and I've got, you know, Maxwell, Rashid Khan, you know, Majib, Curran, you got a lot of these players up around that price and it's inevitable that people are going to have to go without some, you know, some of these guns, at least initially anyway. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, each team, well, apart from the Renegades, has got these players that you just like, oh, I'm, I'm, it's a scary non-own, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'll, now, after I talk to you, I'll go and see if there's a way I can squeeze him in. You know, I was listening to the playbook guys, you know, the other day, um, the SC playbook, and they were floating an idea of fading Chris Lynn, 
yeah, in round one. You know, and banking on a on a Sam's type quality player with the with the all rounder, you know, to score as much as Lynn, who has a tendency, you know, to whack out a, a poor game. You know, for, yeah, in yeah. the original double round. And talking, I guess, about the do you even really need to focus, you know, obsessively about the double game round, you know, and just sometimes if there's a better single game option, you know, should you go that? So it was a very mm. interesting chat. I mean, I, Chris Lynn is someone that scares, you know, he's a scary watch as well, you know, over two games, yeah. but it's just a very interesting way to think about it, I guess. And you could, yeah. just, I think if you went a team that didn't require you to have, you know, a current or, you know, who's a premium option for round one, but, you know, you could fade a Lynn and have yourself a Sam's, you know, because I think over the mm. journey, Sam's is going to be a far superior player than Lynn. He's been that, you know, in recent years as well. Um, so the, the, there is a school of thought where you could do something like that. We'll get into yeah. what I think the ideal numbers are for round one, but it is a, a thought process that some people are obviously thinking about. It, it makes sense. Like, like you say, Lynn can be hit and miss. And he has only really got one method of scoring, and that's batting. He, he tends to get hidden in the field because of his dodgy shoulder, so he doesn't take many catches. So if you think about it with disciplines, he's got one discipline, which is batting. So on a double, that's two games where he can score. And you compare that to Sam, who bats and bowls on a single. That's If you, if you hear what I'm saying, that's two methods of scoring in, in, um, across the round for both players. So that theory does make sense, but the idea of, missing out on a massive Lynn score in round one is is scary and it could leave you way behind the pack yeah. and scrambling to catch up. And I, I personally, I don't think there's any need to be playing Russian roulette on fading anyone on a double in round one because um, you'll get left behind. And if you do get lucky, you've, you've just got lucky. Um, yeah. So that's not yeah. a game I'm going to be playing. Yeah. I mean, I said it in my um, intro, you know, Lynn is it's what you fear that he can do. You, you fear that much more than what you're fearing, you know, what he can't do. You know, you, mm. you know, if you've got him in your team, you're not, you're not, for, you're not, you are concerned that he might have a Barry in those two games. He's up against the Thunder and the Scorchers who are pretty good bowling lineups, but it's not that that scares me. It's more, I don't, if I don't have him in my team and he in Lynn's sanity happens, you know, that's what I'm, that is the scarier prospect. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's the it. thing about um, you know, fading Sam's. You know, he only went a hundred once last year, so you know the likelihood is he might have a very consistent game and get a seventy. You know, he he could ton up, but he doesn't do it as frequently as as Rashid Khan. You know, who is just reality. You know, so I just, you know, I think that it's all things that people should think about. You know, in the lead up to round one, because you're going to be making decisions on players, and you know, we'll know soon enough after round one who was right. Yeah, there's so much to think about. I don't have the answer. <laughs> but we'll know in hindsight. Yeah, so look, that was what I was going to move into next. I was going to give you for a round in the in the thought of round one, giving mm. you this player versus this player. And you tell me who you'd pick. So would we'll, the one that we've been chatting, Rashid versus <laughs> Sam's. I think you and I go on either way on that. I'm saying Rashid and you're saying Sam's. It's like that um is it El Paso that ad? Why not both? Yeah, why um, not both? If you can have both, you know, definitely. <laughs> That's the thing. With, with Marsh being unavailable, the, the value you could find in the alternate option is gone, so it's impossible at the moment to get both, I think. Yeah. And Unless you're going to drop down to someone really cheap, which probably makes it not worth it. 
Yeah, that's the thing. The ones that we lost, you know, Renshaw was in a lot of teams, you know, Ashton yeah. Agar was in a lot of teams and Mitch Marsh, they were value picks this year. So you lose yeah. those three out of your team, it really limits, you know, you probably can't gun up as much as you'd like to do, you know, because I mean, yeah. me personally, and probably most other people have, you know, you've got Curran, you've got Majib, you know, you've got Philippi, you know, and you're probably stashing a stars player in there, whether it's Stoinis or Maxwell or both. You know, so you're going to find some troubles, you know, I guess, picking between the others. But Sams versus Rashid, you know, you're probably leaning towards, you know, take don't fade Sams in round one. But you, you're probably then admitting that you're going to have to fade Rashid. <laughs> I, don't, I honestly don't know. Um, mm. That's right. I, I, if I had to lean one way, it would be pick Rashid. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, here's my next question. And I think this is an interesting one. Some of the silver linings out of the Australia and Australia A um, campaign really have a relevance for round one because there's two smoky, yeah. I think the smoky borderline guns that have come back into the game, you know, as an option for round one in Mo- Moises Enriques and Jack Wildermuth. I want to give yeah. you four names and you can just give me the order of for round one, the double. They're all double game round players. What, which yep. ones do you like? Um, Dwarshus, Dan Christian, Moises Enriques, and Jack Wildermuth. You know, what's your order, you know, for round one, who you think is the best one to, to take? Yeah, okay. It's Jeez, a tough really one. Putting me, up, putting me on the spot with that. That's There's a lot to consider there. Um, yeah. Let's just go through. So I, I've always liked Washus. I think he's, um, he's a wicket taker, mm. has a good role because he bowls uh, power play and a little bit at the death. Yep. Might not bowl as much at the death because Curran's back. Uh, he's pretty pricey though, um, but I do like him. Yeah, DC, DC tends to just find ways to score points, even mm. if there's doubts about his role. So he's hard to ignore, but there's a bit more doubt about him this year. Henriques, he'll bat four and probably won't bowl. He doesn't really tend to bowl himself in the big bash. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit less interested in him. And then Wildermuth, probably bat seven for the hate and, and probably bowl four, given their yeah. list of outs, which are primarily bowlers. Yep. So he's quite, uh, quite enticing, I think. Yeah. Um, so to rank him, well, I, I really like Dorcius. Um, his price is probably a bit high. Yeah, I'll tell you what I did. I, I'd had Dwarshus in since the day one I made my team. I love Dwarshus as a bowler, and just weirdly, yeah. you know, in this in the you know early rounds of BBL, left armers opening bowlers have a great success. You know, yeah. Um, maybe it's just the different. You know, they don't face as many left armers. You know, a lot of these young, exciting players are open the batting or whatever. But, you know, I love Dwarshus. And, you know, someone like DC, he was only one point better than Dwarshus last year. You know, and Dwarshus only relies on one skill to do it. So I rate yeah. Dwarshus ahead of DC just based on that. You know, you need sort of Dan Christian to get his way there with, you know, catches and bowls and bats. And he usually does that, I guess. But Dwarshus mm. is, you know, underrated, I think. And, you know, 8%, I think, or was last time I looked for ownership. So, unfortunately for me, I had to fund, you know, Mitch Marsh to Maxwell. So, you, I, I had to do that by dropping Dwarshus and going with Wildermuth instead. <laughs> um, look, you know, Wildermuth's not the worst option, I think, because of the outs that they've got, you know, and I'd probably put him ahead of Moises because, you know, he'll bat, you know, probably in those double game rounds, he'll get a bat at least once, you know, you'll get some batting, you'd you'd guess. And I think he'll bowl his four overs. He's probably a senior player in their lineup for bowlers. 
um, you know, which means you might bowl in good periods in the game as well. So yeah, it doesn't feel as bad to me, you know, Dwarshus down to a wilderness, at least I think between those two skills, you know, I can see Dwarshus, you know, see, I can see Wildermuth getting to a Dwarshus score. So I'd probably go yeah. Dwarshus, DC, Wildermuth, Enrique's, you know, if I was, I was tipping him, but um, out of those two, or out, out of that group, I've, I've only got Wildermuth. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good thoughts. I, I probably wouldn't be too dissimilar. I've just, just done a little ranking while you're talking while I was trying to, mm-hmm. you know, get myself, uh, my thoughts sorted. I'd go, yeah, Dwarshus would be top. I'd go DC second he is super expensive but mm-hmm. um obviously the heat have got that round two by so um it kind of takes away from wildermuth a little bit but i'd have him third and then Henrik's last i just don't like the fact he doesn't bowl yep. um coming in at four if he bombs out you've it's just not a good role um yeah. but that's a that's a really tough dilemma and they're it like is. they're all priced at a little different tiers yeah so there's, a, yeah. there's an attraction to them all yeah definitely and i mean i think um you know, if you err on the, if you've got to err on the side of caution, you know, Dan Christian, he's an he's an all rounder. You know, Wildermuth's an all rounder as well. You know, so I mm. think you give yourself a a chance. You know, and like you said, there's a different price point to get up to Dwarshus, but you know that's going to be a decision. I think a lot of people, you know, when you when you put Enrique's and um, Wildermuth back into the mix, I think that's going to make round one teams different. You know, I felt like they were going to all be yeah. a little bit similar because there was very obvious guns that everyone wanted. It was Karen, Majib, you know, Philippi, and, you know, most people were probably going to go Dan Christian, but I think now people are going to go some of these different options, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be. The other, the other um, variable, which we don't know the answer to yet is, is Brathwaite fit to play for the Sixers in round one. There's been some talk that he's actually going to struggle to actually play and they're trying to sign Chris Jordan to replace him. So, so if he if he's not in the side, or if Jordan is in the side, then suddenly DC's more or less likely to bowl. So that's yeah. a variable we just kind of need to get more info on. Yeah, that's, a, that that's call. A, a very good point. You know, if if and I love Chris Jordan as a little smoky option too. If he comes in, mm. I think he's a great player, great fielder, and a and a death great death bowler. So you think that he seriously eats into, you know, Dan Christian for bowling. So you really, yeah. I've said on, you know, previous podcast, if someone like Chris Jordan does come in, um, you've got to sort of see Dan Christian as bad only in a way, because I don't think it's a guarantee of him, you know, bowling. And, you know, Dan Christian versus Carlos Brathwaite, you know, they may eat into each other's overs, but I still think Dan Christian will bowl. And I think he'll always bat ahead of Brath- Brathwaite. So, um, yeah, I mean, those are things that we have to wait and watch, you know, in the lead up to the Big Bash. But I would be rethinking Dan Christian if someone like Chris Jordan, you know, comes in to that lineup. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we'll move over. Um, what do you think the ideal numbers are for round one? You know, I say to people a minimum and, you know, you can go as max as you like, but it does often mess you up in the following rounds. What do you think is the magic number for round one? The double game players, you mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you, I reckon a minimum of five and a maximum of seven, just given that the Heat have got that round two by, you obviously need to trade your way out of that. Um, so I, I personally, I'll probably be getting seven players in the double. Yep. Um, I'm all about maximizing the doubles, to be honest. Yep. So, um, I'm not too afraid of having to preempt my trades for round two. Um, yep. so yeah, seven, I think. Yeah. I mean, I've said to people minimum six. 
you know, but you can go upwards of there and I probably wouldn't exceed, you know, eight. I mean, and if you were doing it, you'd have to make sure you had a lot of sixes in there because you wouldn't be able to get the, the heat players out. It's all just, you know, balancing it like that. I'm a big believer in, you know, five premiums will outscore, you know, three premiums and three middies, you know, in reality. So, you know, if you're going to, if it means sacrificing a current, you know, to get a midi, you know, or to go a Hughes, Dan Hughes or something, I think that that's, you know, you might as well have just gone one less and, and gone current. So yeah. if your numbers are six and you go into that round, if five of them are out and out, you know, premiums, you know, I think, um, you know, you can add one speculative to that and you'll probably get by okay. You know, um, it'll depend what, there's more quality in there now, you know, so you could probably get yourself up to seven, yep. I think, in, in yep. you know, quality players. So, you know, advice to people out there, I would say get yourself, you know, to six. If you go to go to six, you you know, you're better, a better chance of not falling way, way behind on the people that go yeah. you know, double game round heavy. Yeah, and there's there is some cheap options on the double, like you just talked about Hughes. Yeah. Well, about three. So yep. he's a pretty good option. I think he's about 70k off the top of my head. And um Xavier Bartlett yeah. in the heat. I think he's around 80 or 90k. Yeah. Give him Eddie may get a run, you know. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, just on Bartlett, like given their list of bowlers who are going to be missing, he, he's very likely to be leading the line in the power play. And um, yeah, that's a good role for that price. So he's worth using, picking for that round one double, I think. Yeah. And I mean, even that Kuhneman's got to be a chance now with Switzerland. Yeah. 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 Good call. Yep. Yeah. So and I mean, he, that, he got a, he got so I was just going to say, he got a, a 10 for in the Sheffield Shield a few weeks ago. So Clearly capable at this level. Um, and, yeah, looks a lock to play early. So I think he's 80K again off the top of my head. I don't know how I know all this stuff off the top of my head. But, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, so yeah. for you for, for you folks out there, if you're going into round one, you know, you can you can get yourself a bargain. I think there's going to be, you know, a, an opening – oh, sorry, a first drop bat in Hughes, you know, and he was in some reasonable form I saw in lower grade, you know, um, recently. And, you know, Kuderman and Manetti, you know, the spinners have a tendency to take wickets, you know, so there's 20 points for you if one of them takes a wicket, you know, and they're in, I think it's 80 something for Kuderman in the 70s for Ben Manetti, you know, so there are some cut yeah. price, you know, options for you in the double game round. All right, let's go on to the next one. Um, yeah, we covered that sort of when we did the Renegades. I was wondering whether Maddinson's going to affect um, Jack, Fra- Jack Jake Fraser McGurk quite possibly we say um are you staying away from joel paris for round one you know he's a rough smoky chance uh, is he for round one and and worst case you think he's round two don't you someone asked me that yeah can i just have him as an npr for round one then you know and he's a solid cheapy possibly you know most likely all rounder and i'll just stow him away as an npr for round one and he's there i don't have to make a trade he's i'm ready to go for round two yeah yeah, reasonable shout, um, especially with Boland out for the first few rounds. Like Once Paris is fit, you'd imagine he'll come straight into that side if Boland's out. Um, uh, I don't know. The thing about Paris is he's, he's always had this bad injury history, so I think they'll be a bit cautious with him. Um, so I, I reckon he's pretty unlikely to play round one. They, don't want to, they won't want to take any risks, even if what they've said in the press suggests he might be fit. Um, yeah. I, I would probably lean away from starting him if he's not playing because he might be someone who's out for a little bit a little bit longer than we expect, actually. 
Yeah, well, my belief is always pick players that are playing ideally. You can have yeah. one NPR and, you know, worst case, you can have two if you're a really gambler, you know, but, you know, if you've got players that are, can be selected and they're, you know, they're play, playing, pick them, you know, and especially yeah. with somebody like Jai Richardson getting selected in the Ashes, you may not see him for most of the tournament. There's got to be a cheapy, I think it's Jordan, isn't it, from the Scorchers. That, you know, there could be a chance of coming in and bowling four overs in that team. Yeah, I think Matt Kelly will be the one who comes in for, for Richardson, but there's Lance Morris, oh, Morris potential option. Good. Yeah. Yeah, but I do think Kelly's the logical choice. He um he was unlucky not to play last year. He's a he's a decent yeah. player. Yeah. Um but yeah, the Canes also on the Hurricanes, just backtracking on Paris, they still have an import to sign. So that's going to be a factor with where Paris sits in the hierarchy. Mm. And I think they'll use their last domestic signing on um, Lawrence Neil Smith. I think that's Neil Lawrence Smith. I always get that name mixed up. Mm-hmm. Too many first names. But he's he's a young bowler from Tasmania who's been going pretty well um, and has been used as a uh, – no, I watched him a few times in the Shield and made runs. So he's almost viable for that all-rounder role they need to fill. Um so if those guys come into the if the last import's a bowler and um, Neil Smith gets picked, suddenly they become competition for Paris, which would scare me off even more. Yeah, good point. Good point. All right, well, let's go. We've got um, – give me a name, just a little bit of fortune telling, who you think could be a surprise packet, you know, when we hit round five. When we go round five, this person completely surprised us. Cool. Put me on the spot with that one. Um, geez, no. I'll lead you away. I reckon, you know, I don't. We, we, <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> it is. It's a curly one. I know. I'm, I reckon yeah. that the, um, you know, the Englishman that's come in for the stars, he is going to open the batting with Stoinis, isn't he? You'd think. And he's going to keep because, you know, there's the injury there to. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he's going to buck the trend as an opening batter, you know, he's got some form, you know, around in other leagues of being a bit of a goer. Um, so I think he's going to be great. I'm going to say at round five, he's a hundred, just over a hundred K. What's his name? I've got to find him. Joe Clark. That's it. Yeah. Joe Clark with the gloves, opening the bat with, with stoyness. Um, I think there's value and I think he might buck the, you know, the Englishman trend. Yeah. I don't mind that shout. In fact, I'm going to, now that I've had a chance to think about it and scroll through my, my document next to me, I'm going to join you on the English bandwagon. I reckon uh, George Garton from the Strikers yeah. might be a bit of a bolter. All these, there's always the flag on the English players, justifiably so that they are risky from a supercoach perspective because it takes time to adjust to Australian conditions. Like we saw it with Will Jacks last year. So obviously you want to be a bit hesitant. Um but like I said earlier, the bowlers tend to adjust quicker and Garten is a bowling all-rounder mm. um, in a side which, from a batting perspective, looks quite weak. Oh, so yeah. I think he'll bowl four and probably end up getting a bat quite regularly. Yep. Um, so yeah. I think he's probably someone to have on your radar. I, I wouldn't start with him, but I'd definitely monitor his round one yeah. and look to get him for that double round two. 
Yeah, because the price is really juicy, you know. So it is. Think, it is. Yeah, you, I mean, someone like Harry Nielsen, obviously, his stocks have risen because of you know carry out into Australia. Mm. A, he's a chance at opening yeah. the bat as well because you know Renshaw's gone as well. He was one of the main contenders for it to possibly open. So, you know, you can stow if you start with Rashid Khan, you know, and um, Harry Nielsen. You already got two strikers there. You know, you might bring in, you know, two more in round two. And 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 I think he's a great option if he goes well in round one. Yeah, so uh, a fabulous shout. We've both said two Englishmen. Isn't that weird? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Go yeah. figure. All right. Well, we'll start wrapping it up now. And what will I cover? Uh, all right. I want you to just go yay or nay on these cheapies. Just in a sense of, do you think they're a good cheapie or do you think they're not a good cheapie? Yay or nay? Dan Hughes. Yay. Agree. Harry Nielsen. Yay. Jilks. Yay. The last two, assuming they're opening. Yep. Um, Ollie Davies, we, we discussed. Yay. Oh, I had Renshaw, but, you know, I think he's irrelevant now. Fraser McGurk. Nay. Yeah. And he was somebody that I was like, mm, I might bring him in. I think now... He's got with especially with Maddinson captain. You know that Maddinson's going to be in that team now. So I agree with you there. Um Benetti? Um nay, no, I think you'll be in and out of the side with Lloyd Pope. Yeah, but if he's there for round, if he, he jags around one, you know, it's 70k. I'll I'll play him, you know. I I'd prefer to take him than Hughes. I'd yep. always go, always go a bowler, you know, if, if there's an option. Yep. In those cheapies. Um, and is there any others that we're missing? You know, like, is there any really, you know, promising? Mm-hmm. You know, we've mentioned a few from the heat there that are good yep. chances. Is there anyone that we're missing on the cheapie front that could be? Well, I had a, after you asked that question about um, someone who might surprise us, I did think about John O'Wells um, from the strikers, who's only 70K. And like I said, the strikers batting looks weak. So I feel like he's going to be having to, um, cop a bit of the burden when it comes to batting this year, but that'll also give him ample opportunity. And a few years back, he was really good. Mm. So he's um, he's not a terrible shout for a cheapie, in my opinion. Well, good. I think that's probably, no, that's the thing, everything I wanted to chat about. I think, you know, the resonating thoughts there on the cheapies is that maybe, you know, I think with the loss of Renshaw, you know, and Ashton Agar, we've probably, the, it's, it's, not dry, but I think it's, we need a few chips to land, you know, for us to have really good 60K, you know, cheapies, you know, available yeah. this year. We might have to go up to one of these 70 or 80Ks, you know, if, if everything doesn't land the way we, you know, we hope. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And we kind of, we talked a lot about Rashid and um, Sam's around one, but the other big, good all-rounder option to start with is Darcy Short. Who- oh, yeah. Who, um, who, depending on what happens with that Hurricanes all-rounder role, may end up bowling four overs and opening the batting, which is the dream super coach role. So he's got to be on your radar for round one as well. Yep. He's got a knack for taking wickets. It's that left arm leg spin. You know, he last yep. year that sort of propped him up. And, you know, I dispel a lot of people's sort of, you know, thoughts that Darcy Short was terrible last year. He, he was down on form with the bat, but he made up for it with his bowling. And yep. if... If he bowls, I think he, him and Mitch Marsh, they, to me, they sing out as the best all-rounders, you know, to, to run this year. So, you know, yeah. he's a double game round is round six and he's one of the ones that I'm going to fade 
early as well, but I think my plans have him for round three, you know, but if he goes off at the start, he's bowling four and batting, you know, at the top of the order. Cause he bats really well with Matty Wade too. That should yeah, be, that's right. But, um, he's going to be somebody that he might slip through your fingers. I think if you don't get him early. Yeah. Just on Wade, if I can just jump in, he also did media today in Melbourne and has a side strain, which almost kept him out of the world cup final. Ooh. I, I get the impression he actually might miss the start of the season. Ah. Um, he 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 needs another scan, and I, I reckon it might be a, a bit of a delay. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So who's going to open with Darcy Short? It'd be you know maybe Caleb Jewell. I like him as a player too. Yeah, he's 60K yeah. or something. Yeah, good shout. He's really cheap. He, he might come into the side anyway because I think um, – uh, is it Harry Brook? Yeah. Uh, who he, I think he'll miss – Early on with the English Lions, mm. um, but I think he if if he replaced Brook, he'd be batting five. If he replaced Wade, he'd be opening, which is a much better role. So yeah, well, he's he, he's an option. They've also got Mac Wright, so I'm not sure which way that would go. Yeah, but they might have a cheap option, you know. So yeah, it's good to keep eyes on those sorts of things. Well, anyway, Ben, thanks for coming on. It was always, um, you know, it was something I'd love to 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 do. Have you on the podcast? Being that I love the content from Honeyball. Um, give you guys, you're on all the socials. If you just look up Honeyball, you know, and you'll find Honeyball, Honeyball BBL, jump on. Um, but yeah, thanks heaps for having me on, mate. My pleasure. And um, anytime, always happy to talk BBL. I could talk for hours about it, actually. Ah, good, good. Well, I mean, I look forward to the magazine. I think it's going to be something, you know, um, it's really relevant for people who want to take their super coach to the next level. You know, I talk to a lot of people who are like, you know, I'm a, I finish in the top seven, seven, 10,000, you know, you've got to learn these little tricks of the trade to take you, elevate yourself from a 7,000 to get top thousand. And it's these things that you think I'm sure people are going to find, you know, in the mag. So I'll jump on, I'll buy the mag and I'll encourage everyone else out there to buy the mag too. It's a really good, you know, you, know, you got the two, you know, you got guys who won it last couple of years, you know, in there. So pick the brain of the yeah. champions. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for coming on. And, um, you know, um, look, I'm, I'm going to try to play AFL. I play AFL super coach, you know, last year. And I think I finished, I don't know, 20,000th, uh, but I didn't even watch a single AFL game. I'm a rugby league. <laughs> so I think next year I might watch a couple of games or talk to my nephew. He's a big AFL fan. And I'm going to give, um, you know, it's, it's a weird thing. I think if you learn how to play super coach, you can be good at all of them in, in a way, you know, you, you always have your stronger ones, but I'm, um, my goal is to be better at AFL super coach. I just ran out of, I find the trades in AFL the hardest, you know, than even harder than uh, NRL, you know? So I just yeah. ran out of trades way too early last year and I had to play like the last five rounds, you know, with <laughs> one trade. So, you know, I'll, yep. I'll tune into Honeyball AFL next year <laughs> so I can get better at the AFL Supercoach. Yeah, I was one of the lucky ones who conserved trades in the AFL and I think there was late chaos. So <laughs> if anything, I endorse saving trades. Yeah, well, you don't need to worry about that in BBL, but you know, AFL, yeah. that's going to be my lesson into next year. But yeah. we, we're talking about a different sport. But thanks for coming on, Ben. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get on the mag later on tonight and buy it. Thanks. Thanks, Habes, Adrian. Really appreciate the support, mate. Thanks, bud. Honeyball came on. Thanks, Ben, for joining me on my show. It was a great chat. BBLs are fast approaching. We talk cheapies, guns, and smokies. 
it was a pleasure to have you on. Hopefully we might even get a chance to talk to you again sometime. <laughs> Cheers, Ben. You're a champion. Honeyball BBL, look them up.